Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. The views, opinions, or advice offered by this show's host do not necessarily reflect those of News Talk 780 KOH or its parent company, Cumulus Media. This is Bosma on Business with award-winning entrepreneur Mike Bosma, sponsored by Keystone CPAs. We're getting Northern Nevada back to business. Good morning, Reno. It is Mike Bosma, your business-savvy CPA, coming to you from the KOH studio. Hey, you Garden Show listeners, hang tight and hang on. You know, you're out there gardening, and every once in a while you take a fall, and you ever think about how to put Humpty Dumpty back together again on today's installment of Bosman Business. Itai Nimovicher from Orthopay Implant Company talks about those pins and all the stuff that are go inside of you when they're trying to mend the fences uh, internally and uh, how, he, how that business was created and the mess of how hospitals operate. So you're going to get some insight so that when you get your your master bill from the hospital and it costs you millions, you'll understand why. Um, <laughs> that's why you want to stay tuned on today's Assembly of Bosman Business. Of course, each and every Saturday, 60 minutes of action-packed business adventure. Itai, you've been here a couple times, but uh, I'm a fan of yours and follow you, so kind of cool things popping in, in your world. Uh, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. So good to be here. Uh, so let's uh, remind our our listeners. So if I ran into you at the uh, uh, at the garden shop, or if I ran into you in the back country, uh, it looks like uh, more, more likely, more likely. Uh, and I said, "Oh, hey, you're a business owner. What's your business? What would you say?" Yeah. So the Orthopedic Implant Company, I use OIC for short, um, is a medical device company. We manufacture, design, and distribute orthopedic implants for primarily broken bones. Um, we do it a little differently. We have a social mission of actually reducing the cost of care for patients. And so we come in at quite a su- substantial discount from the traditional model, the traditional vendors, and at the same time afford them the same quality products, state-of-the-art technology, just at a fraction of the price. So, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, and the, the cost of medical care, as I was uh, talking, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, we've had a number of different international flavor uh, folks on. Um, you know, as last week, uh, Cape Town, South Africa, uh, two weeks before then was um, India, uh, South, Southern India. Yeah, just, you know, how, how it's just a different world out there, literally from the United States. Everything is so stupid expensive here because uh, many people are they're trying to maximize profits, which unfortunately, if you're the consumer on that, that means you're, you're paying more. So, yeah, I mean, that, that holds true for medical devices as well. So the same product you get in the U.S. costs three, four times as much as that in England and Canada, obviously India, China, okay, and but, Asian. But why? But why? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, primarily, it, it has to do with what the market's willing to pay and our broken healthcare system. So we have insurance companies willing to pay high prod, high prices for these products. We have hospitals who need to make money to mark up the cost of these products. We have surgeons own uh, surgery centers who also want to make money. So it's all about making money in the U.S. More money, more money, which I guess the anthem of the show, Itais, more <laughs> money. But you know, it's, it, but if it if it becomes prohibitively expensive and you know makes it so that you don't have access to care, that that seems like the model breaks down. 
Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. Um, unfortunately, for the products that we make and design, uh, people who are receiving these products aren't receiving them by choice. So these are patients who have broken their bones, whether it be through bicycle accidents or ski accidents or car wrecks. You know, they're going and having emergent care and don't really get a say in the cost of that care, the products that are being implanted into them. It's really up to a the surgeon and b the hospital system. So in a, in a, uh, because I'm a little familiar with your your business model, if for let's call it you know for uh, let's pick a, a a pin. Give me a, a what would a pin be called in in your world? Like pick one. A uh, cannulated screw. Uh, say it again. A cannulated screw. A so cannulated base. screw. No wonder it's so expensive. <laughs> you can't even say it. Cannulated <laughs> even saying it. So uh, cannulated screw. So if uh, your competitor with a highfalutin cannulated screw, um, they they actually pay people to be in the operating room. They do. Um, and, and so so basically the the model is as such. I'm a, I've, I'm a technology company, medical device company. I have the latest and greatest widget. I go to the doctor. I tell the surgeon, hey, this is the latest and greatest widget. He says, great, looks great. I want to try it. And then the sales rep in that scenario would go to the hospital. They'd get approval to use that implant. And then the sales rep who also sold the doctor coordinates with the doctor in the hospital. Um, and when it's time for that doctor to actually implant that product, that sales rep is in the OR helping from a technical perspective, from making sure the implants are there. Now, the available. sales rep, he's, he's not a surgeon. He is not a surgeon, or she. He or she is not. They are not a surgeon, however they gender identify. Okay, I'll just, just, just pause that for a minute. So, last weekend, I'm in uh, uh, Sonoma County, and um, I'm looking out over the vineyard having a glass of Pinot, because that's what they make in, P- in Sonoma County. And, and, I, and I hear a little toddler coming up from behind me. Without turning around, I tell my wife, I'm like, that toddler is two years and nine months old. Just listening to the little tyke. And, um, and she's, oh, okay. So we're leaving. And my wife goes, well, how old is uh, your son? Or actually, she said, how old is your daughter? And, and they're like, it's my son, you know, because he had the man bun, which now is the boy bun, I guess. Right. And she was terribly embarrassed. Like, I'm so sorry. I, I was just trying to see if, because she thought the child, the tyke, gender neutral, was uh, was well over three. And uh, I won the bat, so he's, uh, he's you two had, and a half. You got to watch those pronouns. It's so difficult now. And I was like, Jill was mortified. I, but I'm like, you dress up like a girl. Everyone needs a shirt with the right pronoun on it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I self-identify. You know, however, I self-identify. I did. There, there was a, a bit of a, a snafu at the restaurant. They, um, you know, usually there's a line to the women's restroom. This time it was to the men's. And I did self-identify as a woman for that minute. <laughs> <laughs> Is that bad? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I apologize to everybody. I uh... Actually, speaking of apologies... Um, apologize to every everybody at uh, one winery. They, uh, they you know, just you know, you have to taste in some wines, and I say, you know, can I can I get some, you know something to eat? You know, some, some uh, like crackers or something. You know, to cleanse the palate. And as well, we we can't serve crackers. We don't have a health permit. And I just said, well, that sounds like racism against white people. Nice one, crackers. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about your business because it's much more entertaining than my oh uh, your your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> my bad dad joke. Um, 
So, so you have, you know, if they're basically paying to have these uh, technicians or, you know, these uh, sales reps rather in the operating room so that when they're put, putting your femur back together, um, they use the cantilated screw correctly. Or if there's a problem, they can phone a friend and. Exactly right. Out. Yeah. And so they do add some value. I'm not going to discredit mm-hmm. the service that the sales reps offer. The issue that I have with the whole model is A, they're overcompensated, B, they're have zero liability per se. Right. Um, they yeah, the, the, carry no overhead and sometimes make more than the surgeons. And right. so there's a huge disconnect between the service that they offer and how they're compensated. And I, I have huge issue with that. Um, Coming from the industry, being a sales rep. Because I you're think, a sales rep, right? I, I you're like, I, I'm making way too much money. I'm going to go do a startup and not make any. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. And that's what it's turned into. But uh, <laughs> Well, at least you're not bitter about it. <laughs> I'm not bitter. We're, we're, we're saving limbs. We're saving lives. Um, we're restoring quality of life to patients and doing it in a, in a way that's affordable. So right. uh, I'm really proud of that. No, that's why, and that's where you know. The, I think the last time you were on, you were talking about really trying to change the trajectory of healthcare, and and really being able to say, hey, no, this is a, you know, I think uh, what you said last time you were on, you know, you use technology to make it so that you don't need additional training, but you, you make it simple, stupid, yeah. right? And just keep exactly keep the right. technology so that it's, you know, you know, they're surgeons, they they know how to, you know, it's a screw, right? It's like you insert the screwdriver into the screw. Bzzz, Basically. Okay. Yeah. It, it certainly together, is. Ryan. It certainly is. And, and the way we kind of limit test that is if my eight-year-old daughter can figure out how to put the instrumentation together, certainly a uh, surgeon, surgeon should can. be right. able to. Right. Um, but that's half the equation. The other half is logistics that go behind the scenes in the hospital as far as making sure the inventory is there, making sure it gets reordered for the next right. patient, and making sure that it's sterile and available. Gotcha. So, well, just in thinking about that, they have an inventory in the hospital. I would imagine COVID was a real bummer for you because there wasn't anybody breaking anything. They're all sheltering at home. Y- yes and no. Yes and no. I think uh, obviously we were impacted by COVID, but not nearly as bad as those who were doing elective cases. Okay. So in my scenario, in our company, we, again, we do trauma, which people are still getting out there. Now, instead of breaking themselves on a mountain bike ride, uh, they're breaking themselves, climbing up the ladder, fixing something in the house. <laughs> they fell so. off the roof. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so yes, we we were impacted, but just not nearly as bad as, as okay. Some yeah, the elective surgeries. They yeah. they basically got shut down, right? They did. Yeah, I mean, it's just no more breast implants. I mean, just no breast implants, no, no tummy tucks, right? Terrible. No, yeah. In my world, no total joints. Right. Ah. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. You're talking about, again, Itai Nemovich, easy for me to say. Nemovich, but that's cool. Nemovich, oh, sorry. Uh, Nemovich from OIC, Orthopedic Implant. When you when you chose the name of the company, did you did you intentionally make it so the acronyms, oh, I see? No, actually, I didn't, but, it, you know, it's great um, because... Uh, there's a lot of jokes that go around the OR with OIC. For right. example, the competitor reps will be saying, the doctors say, hey, I'm going to use the orthopedic implant company stuff. And it's like, oh, I see. I see. <laughs> right? so, so, so that part wasn't anticipated. But it, it, we, we chose a generic name, the orthopedic implant company, because we feel that the products at this stage are commoditized and should be offered at right. generic pricing. Nope, I get it. So yeah, that's I think those are things where... You know, a lot of times, you know, um, who, who was it? I had a good friend of mine uh, passed a couple of weeks ago, Jamie Clicky, Clicky Collier. And yeah, it's was, it was fascinating, right? So they're like, well, um, 
we should, you know, change the name, firm name. And, and his partner, John, was like, why would we, you know, if we have a good name? But oftentimes you need that third partner because as soon as you can get to three digits, three letters that kind of sound right, like OIC, yeah. right, then that becomes the name of the thing. And then they just collapse all the names. And it's really not about a name. It's just a bit of a jingle, right? So That's right. I was, with, I was with Clifton Larson Allen. And... Um, and then they came out. They had a whole big, you know, PR rollout. Just say CLA. That's right. Right. The and problem with OIC though is about five, six years ago, there was a uh, a drug for opioid induced constipation, which <laughs> also stands for OIC. And so we got a lot of flack for that. Fortunately, you know, opioids opioids are kind of out the door, and so is that drug. And so you know, we have some staying power. So it's okay. Opioid induced constipation, just like BBC. That's right. British Broadcasting Company. <laughs> <laughs> a little more power than Boswell Business Center, but that's right. cool. <laughs> or other other gadgetry. So, um, uh, as I mentioned uh, in studio, Itai Nemovicher. I've only known you for ten years, Itai. Uh, <laughs> finally, get your your name Nemovicher. Nemovicher. I've been mispronouncing it all this time. All this time. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I apologize. That's cool. Apologize to your family. Okay, so um, but talking about just the cost of care, and and that's where I want to understand that. So you know how this works. So I uh, maybe and maybe let's do this when we come back. So you know you have a medical device company. You have all these FDA approved um, uh, technologies that can be deployed, and and I think you know if people have you know it's like one of those ahas. I, there's a better there's a better way to do this, and it happens to be medical device. As soon as it goes in the human body and needs FDA approval, let's talk about what that process is, and um, and then the barriers to entry uh, for that next great widget or pin or whatever the case may be. When we come back, we call it Bosman Business. Newstock seven eighty KOH. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment, which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose, to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Welcome back to Bosma on Business. Uh, your host, the leading cracker, Mike Bosma, uh, talking about uh, bad dad jokes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things. Now, hallelujah that we're past this election. And whatever side that you're on or somewhere in the middle, I'm just glad I don't have to listen to all the ads every minute of every day and get texts every minute of every day, no matter how many times I report them as spam. And uh, we just get back to normal stuff, like the pillow guy selling pillows. <laughs> you know, like if the you know the uh, if if you're got a tax lien, you know the the, the normal stuff. The normal tie. stuff. 
So um, in studio, Itai Nemovicher from Orthopedic Implant Company, otherwise known as OIC. And I, I just, it hit me. It rolls off the tongue, it right? It does. It does. Uh, talking about, you know, like how many uh, FDA approved products do you have now? Just off the top of your head. Uh, we have about 25. About 25. That's that's something. Yep. So um, what's the process of getting one of these products? I mean, so after your daughter tests it to make sure it works, you're the eight-year-old, as yeah. you mentioned on the last segment, uh, where, where do you go from there to get FDA approval? So FDA approval is actually pretty straightforward. So we have to prove what's called substantial equivalence, which means that our device is equal to uh, or better than, but equal to as a standard uh, than something that's already marketed out there. Um, that process is uh, typically 90 days okay. for the approval. Assuming, oh, just 90. Okay. Assuming you have all your ducks in a row. Now, right. to get to that submission process does take a lot of time. So, it takes, obviously, our engineers have to design a quality product. We have to do mechanical testing. We have to compare that testing against what's out there in the marketplace already, competitive product. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to prove to the FDA that the product is safe, it's biocompatible, um, it's mechanically sound, and functions as, as supposed to. So, but that's what I was like, but if somebody else has a pin, yep. what do you call it? Cantilevered pin? Cannulated screw. Cannulated screw. Cantilevered pin. Can, cantilated screw. Um, and you just make another cantilated screw. Can't they just say, we well, just ripped off my screw, give you, it back? You, you could if you infringed on their patents, but right. those patents have expired decades ago. Oh, so okay. what we know in, in our space in orthopedic trauma is the technology that we have works really, really well. Um, it's worked really well for decades and that really new up and coming technology, things with smart devices, um, is really cost prohibitive in, in orthopedic trauma, at least. Okay. They're coming out with, uh, total joints that communicate with apps, you know, maybe there's a place for that in that segment, Mm -hmm. but for us, the bone, you know, we have to heal the fracture in about three months. The implant has to last three to six months generally. Okay. After that, it's back to your normal normal anatomy, normal bones. And right. so the demands on our implants aren't super high. Gotcha. Unless the patients are non-compliant. Yeah, and they they, they won't they <laughs> yeah, keep right. taking their bike off the shed and yeah breaking it again. Exactly. Right. Okay, I got you. So so now, do you have any patents? We actually do have some patents, um, and the reason we do is. Uh, it's, there's some, some of our products are very, uh, tightly controlled from an IP perspective. And so in order to get around patents takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of cost from a IP attorney perspective. And when we're able to do it, to close off that space, we patent the product. Yeah. So I would imagine, right. So you're, you're looking at your know, competitor's technology that, you know, like I mentioned the femur, right? So, okay, this is how we're going to, you know, uh, and I would imagine depending on the, the way the bone was broken is going to depend on what the, the type of screw or pen that you need to put back in to put it all back, to put Humpty Dumpty back, back together, together again. Yeah. And, uh, so, and, but you might, I'm sure there's this times if you or your engineers are looking at it and you're like, this is way too complicated. Right, and then you like you'll make it like smarter. Yep. And then, then you're like, well, no, now this is n- a new t- technology. We should patent it. Yeah, in a sense. So basically, um, you know, our engineers are under a different different mindset. They have to design around value, mm-hmm. which is very difficult for an engineer coming from our space who's used to designing the latest greatest widget, right. all the features regardless of cost, because traditionally hospitals are willing to pay for it. Patients obviously have no clue. They wind up paying for it in the long run. 
Um, but in our company, we really task our engineers, how do you design around value and how do you make things simplistic um, and cut out a lot of the excessive costs associated with manufacturing these parts. Right. And so when we figure out how to do that and we figure out how to do it well, that, that takes some time and some effort. It seems, man, man, it just seems like, man, you would be, like if you were doing more of that, that would be good for humanity. Absolutely. So why don't you do more? Well, why you only have 25, Etai? You can... <laughs> Don't be a quitter. So, uh, you know, the R&D process is, uh, it's lengthy. It takes time, right? Mm-hmm. And it's costly. So, being a smaller company, you know, I think we come out with two to three products a year through the FDA. Our R&D cycle is about eight to 12 months, um, which is really quick for this industry. Okay. And so, um, we're able to come out with products as fast as, I, as we possibly can. Obviously, having more engineers, having a larger size company would accelerate that. But at some point, we'd plateau and well, yeah, move I, so fast. No, I, I get you because that's where it's like a lot of times, uh, you know, in your in your space, it's it, you're doing one or the other. You're either creating technologies or products, or you're selling that. But you're doing both, right? So yeah. I mean, that, that's that's unique, and it's also hard, I imagine, right? Because you you you're you're trying to create and innovate, but then you're also, okay, now I got to sell the stuff I, I got these FDA approvals on. Yeah. So, yeah, coming out with a product and commercializing it are two separate, right. very separate things. And so, on the commercial commercialization side, you know, we're trying to be disruptive, not have that sales person in the room at all times. Certainly, at some times, they, they, they do add value and they are there. At other times, they're not. Um, we compensate our sales reps on the amount they're saving the hospital. Rather than what they're costing the hospital. Right. So ah. they're not incentivized to upsell. They're not incentivized to uh, talk surgeons into products that they, that they don't need. Um, and so, but commercialization is hard and it's challenging. And in our health ser- healthcare system where it lacks incentive to reduce the cost of care, mm-hmm. it's really challenging. There's no incentive for really anyone throughout the whole supply chain to reduce their costs. Some, hosp- some insurance companies pay on a cost plus basis, and so they're incentivized to do the opposite. Right. No, I get you. It's crazy, right? I just, but then it seems like I remember I was in Belize over the summer, and and they told us we rolled off the plane, and, and our, uh, our our hosts were there. It's like just no, we we don't have emergency rooms like you do in the states, so. Um, there's there's no such animal as insurance here. Right. So, you know, it's pay to play and there's two hospitals, the state hospital and then the real hospital. Yep. So, but if you go to the real hospital, it's real expensive, but it's nothing like it costs in the United States. So even in their own, they're like, yeah, this is stupid expensive, but just a, a just a fraction of what it would, a similar service would cost in the States and equivalent care, right? So, like, what, if, you know, if they, a pin is a pin is a pin. So, you know, it seems like, you know, you know, how do you, you know, how do you tear down those barriers or can you? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, we're fortunate that, uh, we started 12 years ago now, because if we started today, we'd be well, well behind the curve. Mm-hmm. Mindsets are changing. They're slow to change, but they are changing and they're changing in a sense where now the surgeon has incentive because they own the surgery center that they're in, that they're operating in. And so there's a direct correlation with cost of care to their, how much they make at the end of the day. Right. Um, CMS is coming out or has been coming out and has modeled several different types of reimbursement programs where they're bundling the cost of care. And so, 
you know, it's slowly coming around, but it's really slow to change. Right. Um, and, and then you do have your humanitarian surgeons and doctors who are in it for the right reasons right. and treating patients not only clinically, but also financially. Okay. So I, I got you. So in studio, Itai Nemovicher from OIC, talking about the barriers to entry when you, you've got the, the better product that costs half as much and why isn't this a no-brainer? Uh, we come back, we call it Bosman Business. News Talk 780, QH. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's What Women Binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What Women Binge, wherever you listen. Welcome back to Bosman Business. Your host, Mike Bosma. Uh, you know, the, the bottom part of the hour is to uh, give you a little snippet on tax, but I'm not going to today. I'm going to talk about budgeting. And um, whether it's your personal budget or your business budget, if, uh, you, uh, if you don't have a plan for where you want to be, uh, you'll end up in all kinds of unexpected places. And um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of the book, um, The Great Game of Business, uh, written by Jack Stack. And um, and like I said, whether you're a business owner or an individual, read that book. It really is you know it kind of transformed the way I think of budgets. Um, a lot of times, budgets kind of like, well, I, I spend what I spend, or I spend whatever goes into the bank account. And um, and rather, the thing that I liked about the great game of business was you you basically have accountability on every line on your profit and loss. And so you know, like in my household, I'm responsible for sales, <laughs> revenue, but I have a business, and so but and I just say this is how much we budget to go from the business to home to fund the overhead. And then Jill's responsible for the expense part of the ledger. But she knows as long as, you know, that she, and she just gets the same amount. And and I find that that helps everybody in, in my life. And then we then try and streamline, like, okay, what are we spending on every line item? So, like, um, I mentioned on the last segment, I, I, I spent a little time in Sonoma County. Well, normally I go to Napa, but I canceled because I was looking at how much my my wine memberships were costing. And I'm like, I just don't drink that kind of nice wine. I'm, I'm more of a casual drinker. And, you know, and maybe in a in a bad moment, I, I signed up for these wine clubs and now I have wine that I really don't want to drink because I only have so many special occasions. So I'm like, I just need to stop it, right? Turn it off. So I went canceled all the wine clubs. And so then I'm like, well, that freed us up. So then when we go, like, let's do and we, but we could travel to new wineries and create new adventures. But sign, that's sign up for more wine clubs. And sign, we, I did sign up for one, but they said I can cancel it. I just wanted to get the discount. <laughs> uh, well, you'll get a, you'll get a kick out of this uh, uh, in studio. Itai Nemovicher from OAC. So, um, and because we, we we did some, you know, you're not a big wine drinker, but you did enjoy some wine when we were in Sonoma a couple years ago. And um, but what was funny is. They uh, they had this uh, in 2019. They they had a, a Russian River flooded significantly, and then they, and so they had like six feet the thing was underwater. Fortunately, it didn't take out the vines, but um, a lot of damage. And then and then between the fires and the floods, and then the plague, which was 2020. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the you know the frogs and the crickets are next, right? So I was like, it's, it's uh, the, the ten plagues of Egypt. But um, 
but what what they they had the, they had it because it took out all the the smoke killed all the grapes or the man so they could they weren't uh, uh, harvestable so they had to go outside of Sonoma Valley to get grapes for their Pinot and so but they called that resilience right yeah, and yeah. I was, I bought a whole bunch of it because I'm like well that that was my 2019 resilience that's right and uh, and but when you go through those difficult times and I think a lot of people in different ways are struggling you know financially right now and and I just tell you it's like. You know, if you just cut out all the joy out of your life, you're going to have a non-joyous life. But if you, you know, if you cut out everything out of your budget that doesn't bring you joy, you'd be amazed how much you can save. And then you focus on what brings you happiness. And there's all kinds of stuff. And especially with the recurring revenue model that every business is hucking once you go through all your credit card statements. In fact, what we just did is we canceled our credit cards. Because <laughs> we couldn't figure out what some of this stuff was. And if it didn't make sense, just cancel it. If... If if we need it, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Right. And, and it just cut a whole bunch of overhead off. You know. So that's why I say. So today, uh, I guess that that's the the thought or the phrase that pays is uh, start with your budget. And I'm, I'm a fan of uh, for individuals this uh, software called Mint M I N T. Um, not the dispensary, but the um, <laughs> the software. It'll automatically bring in all your credit cards, your bank accounts. It'll categorize it. You can then sort it, and then you you know. So you don't have to do this manually. It's very automated and. And uh, I had a, my former foster uh, kids, their mom was struggling. And I just, I said, come over, let me make sure you have your login information. I, I downloaded all of her expenses um, into Mint, sorted them. And, and I, and I just, this is why you can't pay your bills, you know? And it was just, it just, and she's like, oh, I never saw it. I never looked at it that way. It just, so I think it's very common, right? So no, if you're, uh, whatever economic strata you're in, um, if you decide to um, budget, you can decide how you want to budget for your life. But um, if you, you know, and that's where it's like on the business part of it for you business owners, budget for how much you're going to pull out with, you know, every month. And then the rest of it, leave it in. And then you can pull it out and, and take big chunks of debt off or go buy something fun, whatever, right? But if you just take everything out of the business or you spend all your business um, income with personal expenses and don't have the two separated, you'll never understand what your business is worth or how much money you're really making, or more importantly, what you're really spending. So if I win the Powerball $2 billion jackpot, do I still need to budget? You'd, you really need to budget. If you look at what... Actually, that's a great point, Utai. If you look at the history of how many people have squandered everything they won, right? And I, and I, so, so if you win, if, if you win... Um, let me ask you this. Are you taking it all up front? Or are you taking the annuity? All up front. Why? Because I can invest invest that and get a higher yield. Or you can lose it. Or I can lose it. <laughs> but they're paying, what, 4% on that? I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's like I did the math on that for somebody a number of years ago that won a big, like, megabucks jackpot. And I said, you have to take the annuity. This lady won, I can't remember the exact, it was like, she won like $8 million. And, um... A megabucks, and it was like two hundred thousand dollars a year for the rest of her life. And she was an older lady, but I said, but the way that works is, you still get it, like whatever the unamortized balance is, you you know you get when you die. And I and I and I'm just like, so I told her, I was like, this is how if you take this two hundred thousand dollars a year, number one, you're living on Social Security, so you're living on twenty grand a year. So you're going from twenty grand a year to two hundred grand a year. You can set your life at your two hundred grand. And set it and forget it. You don't have to think about it anymore. And then you have this big nest egg to give your kids whatever. But what did she do? She took it and squandered every penny of it. All of it, gone. Every penny, right? And now she's back in her trailer 
At 20,000 a year. 20,000 a year, <laughs> right? And I was just like, you had the ability, right, just to, to live it. Like, even if, because I said 4%. You know, 4%, if I get 4%, I don't have to think about it. And it's risk-free money. That's the key. Yeah. Right? It's no, just, for sure. Yeah, you're such a, you're, you, would, you, you, you return junkie, right? Oh, I need more than 4%. Blackjack. Blackjack. <laughs> Bet it all on red. That's right. No. But that's what it's like. The, you, um, in fact, it was Andy Fastow, who is the CFO of Enron. Uh, he really got me on this track. I don't, I don't, I don't, did you yeah. do that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah when, when he said, um, he, he just said, we become so desensitized to risk that it's just, it's no big deal. And he said, I realized I was betting Enron every time I had to do one of these major refinance. I was betting the farm, betting the whole company. And we become desensitized to risk. Well, I did it last time. I'll do it again. And like, and why? That's what I say. If you, if you just get a pile of cash, I call it boring money. And that's like in retirement for people. We're talking about budgeting. I can just like, you get a pile of cash and then you can live off the income and you don't have to think about it. And you want it. You want boring money. You still have your exciting money. Yeah. Okay. Have your Schwab account. Go out there. Go crazy. But for the the bulk of the base. In fact, it's funny. I, my um, my in laws um, had a yeah had an investment advisor, and I was looking at their brokerage statements, and I'm like, why? You know, you're 87 and 82 respectively. Why are you all in equity markets? Right, <laughs> right. You should you shouldn't be in equity markets. Rule of thumb. Brian Wheeler from Keystone Wealth Advisor tells me he says, you shouldn't be in equity markets for anything you're gonna have to touch in five years. Right? right, and 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 they were pulling out though, but the rate that they were pulling money out, they had to be in the equity markets to get the return. I go, you guys are just waiting for a train wreck, and then they're, you know, of course, what do they do? Well, you don't know what you're talking about, son-in-law, <laughs> right? And now they're like, holy, because now at their rate of withdrawal, now you know it's down thirty percent, right, for the last year, and now they're almost out of money. Yeah, right. They bet the farm. Don't trust, bet the trust farm. your financial advisor. Trust your and CPA. Don't take financial advice from your CPA. Fine, fine, time. But take it. Well, I. But that's where I guess maybe get a second opinion. But I think that's my takeaway. Get a second opinion if you because I'm telling you, it's like it's, you know, and unfortunately, people don't learn these lessons until they have these kind of markets, man. Yeah. It's just you, you, you didn't need to have the juiced return. You could have absolutely had been had boring money. And then, because it was in bonds, you'd laddered bond fund, could have just clicked along, and then as interest rates go up, your return goes up automatically. But instead, what happens? Interest rate goes up, and their in, their investments went to heck. Right. Right? Because they're like, you know, oh, everyone well, was good two years ago. Well, yeah, it's good until it's not. Right. Right? And so, what, what I know about equity investments, because Brian Wiggle tells me so, is that if you need to get your hands on it in five years, it shouldn't be in equities. There's other better alternatives. All right. There you go. That's for free. What were we talking about? What were we talking about? We were talking about, uh, oh, foreign oh, markets. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> foreign markets. So, what, 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 so it seems like, Itai, you've got this great technology, easy to deploy or easier to deploy. Why, why don't you just sell the stuff overseas where people care about what it costs? Yeah, I mean, and we are exploring that. I think the issue there is they're already receiving great products at what I'm selling for them in the U.S. And so the room for disruption is less. Mm-hmm. Certainly the, the need, though, is higher. So it's an interesting play. I mean, we definitely serve um, third world countries. We provide them with product at near cost um, just to give them the access to care, to, right. to, to the devices that we take for, for granted here in the U.S. So, you know, there's a play there. Is it a money-making play? Certainly not. But from a philanthropic perspective, and it speaks true to our, our, our mission, we certainly play in those 
those foreign markets. Now, is there any way to um, have this stuff manufactured offshore rather than onshore? Uh, there is, but we, you know, part of the equation is quality, right? If we don't have high quality products, it's only going to last for three months. High quality products. <laughs> if we don't have high quality products, we don't have the outcomes we're looking for. We're not doing anyone a service. The patient's coming back; they have to get a second surgery. Right. That costs money outside of just the 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 wear and tear on 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 themselves, right? Right. No one wants to have surgery. So to have a second surgery because your products are inferior to others, it sucks. I don't know. I mean, but there's got to be some stuff that's, some competition that's doing this stuff offshore. Oh, they are. They're making them in China. They're making them in well, India. Pennies on the dollar. You just don't know where you're getting. Well, actually, I, I would disagree with that because, well, and I would say explore it. I would encourage you to explore mm-hmm. it because now, because it seems like I'm doing business with people all over the world now. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, that's how people do manufacturing is they don't just, you know, hey, hey, can you make this thing for me? They actually go, they get into a business relationship with people, and they say, these are exactly my specifications, same QC, actually same materials, everything. It's like, no, this is how we're going to make our stuff. And basically, you're making, you're just using... A, yeah, a more, same thing. We, we right. provide the specs. Right. Same, 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 but at the same point, okay. you know, right. it's got to be, you got to make sure you trust your supplier. That's I the 100% agree. So, and that's right. What I'd say is, um, you know, when, um, yeah, and I, and I, and I eat, I, I, I now find I have a ton of a bias to, to actually prefer doing business offshore rather than onshore. Um, but that's, that's my bias and I, and I get to, cause I'm a cracker when, <laughs> when we come back, Eti's going to tell us the number one thing when you're thinking of starting a, your medical device company, we come back, we call it Bosman business new stock 780 KH. Hey everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of fantasy NBA today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to Bosma on Business, your host, Mike Bosma. Hey, if you need one of those free one-hour consultations, um, I'm actually having them regularly now. A lot of people got through their tax filing season and want a second opinion. And, uh, t- and if, you, if your uh, payroll company or whoever told you you didn't qualify for the employee retention tax credit, um, looking at a bunch of those, too. Like, hey, can you kind of ch- kick the tires on this? Of course, we do that for free. Probably your worst business model on the planet, but... That's what we do because we love what we do. So 775-786-4900 and Bosma at Keystone.cpa. Um, in studio, Itai Nemovicher from OIC. Itai, we leave our listeners with the number one thing, the big aha, the big takeaway. You've been doing this for 12 years. If somebody was going to say, hey, I, I've got an idea in the medical device space, what was what's the thing you wish you knew before you got into this nutty business? Yeah, I think, you know, the number one thing is understand your audience, understand your customer base. I think we grossly underestimated uh, some of the assumptions we made in our uh, business plan. Um, Of course, we evolved and we adapted. But going into it, knowing what I knew now, uh, we we would approach the market a little differently. Right, right. Would, Would you still raise the same amount of capital, more or less? Probably more. Right. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, a medical device is, or healthcare in general, is very expensive to commercialize. Right. And so, yeah, more capital, the better. Yeah, and, and I think that's where, um, 
It is. It is surprising, and I, I tell people it's probably my my, my number one uh, feedback when people come in and say, "Hey, I'm thinking of this. You know, what do you think?" And I, and I look at it and I'm like, you know, oh well, this is how we're going to acquire customers, cost per customer. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, triple that, it, it triple that at least. So it's just going to more capital. So it's just it's how it goes. But no, I, I appreciate that. And of course, if if you need uh, the tires kicked on anything that you're doing. That's what we do, you ties. We kick tires. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I appreciate you coming back. If there's anything that's newsworthy um, and uh, that we need to talk about, I you know please don't be shy and uh, and, and come back. That's I appreciate a, it, Mike. No, of course, my pleasure. Always, um, always good to see you. Always good. And uh, yeah, it's funny if um, you know for the benefit of our listeners, you know because you know I do the free one hour consults, but. What I believe to be true, especially now with you know, where the markets are and kind of you know how things are going to be trending, um, I think overall they're going to be trending better than they've been, just because there's not as much unsettledness with the election. This happens every pre-election, you know, September to November. It's just this little. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, all my you know the people in transaction land, you know, they get a little skittish and they kind of go dark, and and so that's where you know now I'm I'm back you know right now back at it full time because nobody wanted to do anything pre-election. Right, right. It was, and it doesn't matter what it was, whether the Democrats win or the Republicans win. It's just now I know what I got. Now I can deal with it. But just that unsettledness. And so what you'll find is if, if you two are unsettled and just need some direction, 775-786-4900 or mbosma at keystone.cpa. Uh, until next week, uh, you know, if... Um, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of telling you, just keep that business engine humming. Budget, budget, budget. Until next week, we call it Bosman Business, Newstock 7-8, KOH. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's yeah, some. I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.